Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Amen. So let's go ahead and turn to the book of Acts. We are uh, still going through this series in the book of Acts about... The, the, the working of the Holy Spirit in the local church, and we're going to continue that theme this morning to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. We have a, a lot of reading to do, so I'm not going to uh, have you stand this morning as we often do for the reading of the Word, but we're just going to get right into this this morning, um, do the best we can. Again, I, I do beg for your grace this morning as we go through this message, but I am excited about what God has given me because I believe it's, it's prophetic for the time, and I believe it will also Im- impact and improve our walks with the Lord. So let's begin reading in Acts chapter 10, and we're going to bounce around, so hang with me. Verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all of his household. That's important to note. Who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, 3 p.m., he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming into his living room. Verse, the next verse, um, he says, so your prayers have come as up as alms, your prayers and alms have come up as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose name is Peter, for he is lodging with Simon, a tanner who lives by the sea. We'll talk about him in a minute. That's not what you think. He will tell you what you must do. Let's skip down to verse 9. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up to his housetop and prayed about the sixth hour, about noon. And they became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and, and an object like a great sheet bound at four corners descended to him and let down to the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have neither eaten anything common nor unclean. And a voice spoke to him again a second time, saying, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Everybody say cleansed. Say common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up to heaven. Let's scoot down to verse 19. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit finally had to say plainly, Behold, three people are coming for you. Go with them and doubt nothing, for I have sent them. We're going to skip down a little bit to verse 21, or 4, I'm sorry, 24. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and he had called together many relatives and friends. As Peter was coming to Cornelius, he fell down at his feet. And Peter said, Stand up, I'm also a man. Verse 28, then he said, for a Jewish man to keep, com- it is unlawful for me as a Jewish man to keep company with one of you of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Everybody say common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent me? Verse 30, Cornelius gives his account of what was happening, but this time we find out that he had been fasting for four days. It's important to remember. We'll skip down a little bit to verse 32. The end of verse 32, he says, And when Peter comes, he will speak to you what you need to know. And then verse 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. In verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth preaching 
with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. In verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Everybody say amen. amen. There was a lot of passages that we went through. Let me encourage you when you get some time this week to read this chapter in its entirety. It's a powerful chapter. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we do give you thanks one more time for your goodness and your mercy that we just sang about. Father, we pray that your spirit continue to be with us in this room and in these cameras into the hearts of those that are abroad. Father, we just pray that your blessing will be upon this message time. Let, let my words be your words. Father, I need your help this morning. Let your Holy Spirit speak through me. Not my words and not my thoughts, but your words and your thoughts to go deep into our hearts, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Listen, church, I want to talk to you guys this morning about the title, Next Level Church. Next Level Church. Now listen, I give you full permission this morning if I say something that just, you, you can say amen, hallelujah, glory to God. You can clap your hands, you can stand to your feet any given time you want to. So how many going to help me preach today? All right. Amen. All right. Listen, um, pastor opened this year. With, last year, God gave us a, a mission as a church to arise. God was with us, and that was a whole year that we ministered on. We got shirts made up. You still may see them floating around today. For this year, pastor received a prophetic word from the, from the Lord out of Exodus. If you remember, he said that we are to arise together. And he talked about the passage when Moses went to the mountaintop, but everybody else backed away. And the theme of, of this year has been in many different ways about how that we all need to come together and all go after God and not just send one or two people, but that we are all to walk in the spirit of God. How many is with me this morning? Amen. Amen. So this is what brings us to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is, and I love the book of Acts. The book of Acts, in my mind, plays out very cinematically. In my mind, you can see God working amongst other people and other men and women at the same time, coordinating great events and coordinating things. We see this here in the story where God is talking to Cornelius and setting him up for what's happening to his family. At the same time, God is across town talking to Peter and setting him up. I think it's so wonderful. In the book of Acts, there's three, I want to bring just three observations in the book of Acts. Number one, Acts is about God building his church geographically. God is building his church geographically. It's like God was setting things up. You know, when I was a part of a church that we were a mobile church for about a, a better part of a year, and we, we rented facilities, and we had to set up and tear down every single service. So if service was going to start at 11, and everybody wanted to come in, we had to be there at 9, at least to get chairs set up, to get sound systems set up, to get musicians and, and, and instruments set up. It, it takes time to get things set up. How many know the Thanksgiving meal doesn't just happen? And all you cooks out there, what is the thing that you hate to hear? <laughs> So in the book of Acts, we see that, listen, if there was no Acts, there would be no Romans, there would be no Corinthians, there would be no Galatians, there would be nothing. Acts has to happen because it is when God is establishing his church geographically. He is setting up for the rest of the New Testament. Did you hear what I said? 
So the second thing is, is an observation is that God uses people to do this. Look what happened. An angel went to Cornelius to connect Cornelius and Peter. God spoke to Peter in a vision to connect Cornelius and Peter. We just saw this a couple weeks ago when Pastor was preaching about Saul. He told Ananias to go, to go over and pray for this man. We see this several times in the book of Acts that God sends his angels or speaks by his Holy Spirit to connect people. We sing about it all the time. It's our mission statement and our, and our church song. It's more than a building. It's more than four walls and a roof. It's you and me that make up the church of Jesus Christ and the body of Christ. Amen? And we see this right here in the book of Acts that God uses people. Listen, you might think you're inadequate. You might think you're uneducated. You might think that you are just no good to nobody, if I could say it like that. But let me tell you that God needs you, and God loves you, and God wants to work through you because you are the church, and I am the church in Jesus' name. Amen? We see in the book of Revelations that there comes a time that the Bible says the only time in Scripture, and we are told about heaven many times in Scripture, the only time in Scripture that heaven is quiet and silent is when the song of the redeemed of the saints, the angels stop what they're doing, stop what they're saying. And the Bible says there comes a song that only the redeemed can sing. Who is that? That's me and that's you. God is using people. Someone said, we were just at the men's breakfast yesterday. Man, I had a great time. That was a fun time. There was just a handful of us sitting around the table, and we had some fun. And somebody said, you know, you can't lean on a shovel and ask God to pray for a hole. I think I, bot I, think I botched that a little bit, but you know what I'm trying to say. You can't, and so many times don't we do that? Listen, I, I had a revelation that a pastor said years and years ago that really changed my life, and he said, you know what? God is not going to do what you can. God is not going to do what you can. If you don't take care of your car, it's going to break down, and that's not a spirit coming after you. It's your negligence of your vehicle. Now, y'all got to understand, I came up from a Pentecostal, good old AG church, and we believe that Anessa, the devil, is real. Yes, he is the, the prince of this world, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But listen, it, it's not fair for us to blame everything on the devil when we just don't do our part. I'm going to keep going. That's not even the message. Let's keep going. God uses people. And the third thing is this. They are empowered directly by the Holy Spirit. And that brings us to this passage. This is a very pivotal passage in the, in the scripture. Now, you may not think about this, but can I put you in a time machine just for a minute? When you think of writing, maybe you think of a laptop and a word processing program with unlimited pages and, and characters, right? Maybe you think of, of a good old-fashioned typewriter and a ream of paper, basically unlimited, right? You, you get what I'm saying. In the old world, that wasn't the case. They would have scrolls, and they were certain lengths, and they had to go. In other words, space was precious. In the book of Acts, which, believe it or not, they believe to be about 114 feet long. The original scroll was about 114 feet long. We believe Luke wrote this book, so space was precious. Listen to this. There are two stories that take up, two long stories that take up most of Acts. Number one, it's the stoning of Stephen. And number two, it's the passage that we're reading right here in Acts chapter 10. If I were to ask you what's the longest, most emphasized passage in Acts, what would you all say? Has anybody read Acts? <laughs> Acts chapter 2, right? When, the, when they were all in the upper room, the Lord came. This passage is twice as long as that account. In other words, God is wanting to emphasize what is happening in this passage. Let me help you out just a little bit this morning. Y'all going to make me work. I already see it. That's okay. 
That's all right. I got my little mini water. That's a lot of faith and good preaching, by the way. Yeah. Might need two of those. I don't know. What tells me is this. There's three things happening in this single chapter. Number one, this is often referred to as the Gentile Pentecost. Number two, we're also called, this is the vision of tolerance. There's a lot to preach on. And, and so I came to pastor the other day and I said, look, what, there's so much in this chapter. Let's talk about this. So, we got, so we're going to bring the message out in just a minute. But I'm trying to wet your whistle to please read this passage this week. So it's the Gentile Pentecost, it's the vision of tolerance, and it's also referred to as the compact gospel of Peter. There's a lot of things happening here. Now let's talk about Peter this morning. we got a lot to talk about and a lot of people to look at. We're going to talk about Peter. Now Peter was about to journey to the next level in the work of the kingdom. This, I believe, was Peter's Damascus Road experience. Pastor just preached about Saul's Damascus Road experience. I believe this is Peter's Damascus Road experience, and this is why. So Peter was in Joppa with Simon, a tanner by the sea, ministering to the Samaritans just after that. So Peter was already kind of doing his thing. He was comfortable because what did Jesus say right before he went to heaven? What did he tell the disciples to do? Has anybody read the account of Jesus ascending into heaven? He said, go and build beautiful buildings and take, no, wait a minute. He said, go and preach the gospel, make disciples, and baptize them. Go, preach the gospel, make disciples, and baptize them. Peter was like already doing that, but God said, it's not quite enough. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Because listen, Peter was in a spot that was sort of uncomfortable, but sort of comfortable. But God was saying, "Mm -mm." I said all to the ends of the earth. Not to just your favorite group in that city. Not just your favorite group in that town. Not just your favorite group at that lunch table. He said, I want you to go to all the ends of the earth. So I need to just roll up my sleeves. Can I tell you that God has more for Peter and the early church. God has more for you. And God has more for us as river of life. Listen, God did not give us this beautiful building to just keep it clean and monitor it. He gave us, there is more for us to do. There is more for us to do. There is more for you to do. God has more for you to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to give you five keys this morning that I believe are going to help you to go to the next level. How many of you want to go to the next level in God? Go to the next level in your walk with God. Go to the next level in your ministry. Go to the next level in your family. I, I, there's, there's just five areas I want to talk about this morning. The first observation comes from verse 9 that he says that when Peter was up on the rooftop as they were preparing lunch, he had a visitation that changed his life. Now, Peter was at the rooftop at noon to pray. We know that noon was the proper time of prayer set forth by the, 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 the Jewish sacrifice at the temple. We knew that he was on his rooftop. There's many different reasons for that, but one of the reasons was that they could be distracted free, distraction-free from the things in the house and the commotions of the street, and no one could hear them, and they couldn't hear them. But the third one, as I was reading some commentary, really jumped out at me, and it was because it has a full, uneclipsed view of the heavens. In other words, this is the first area in your life. Number one is it starts at home. One of, the, one of the coolest things that I never knew until I went, uh, you know, I, I followed baseball, and especially when the Tigers were really good, I would follow them a lot and watch the, all the trips to the World Series. I got the chance finally to go to a baseball game as an adult. 
And we got there extra early, and we're just sitting there just enjoying this beautiful afternoon. I'll never forget this. And I saw some guys out on the field with some tape measures. And I, th- I thought, what are they doing out there? And my eye caught them. And I, and I began to notice that they had a tape measure at home plate. And they were measuring to first base, and they would talk about it, and they would go to the pitcher's mound, and they would come back, and then they would go to third. I watched them do this whole thing. And the Holy Spirit quickened my heart in that moment to let me know that, listen, the things of God are all anchored to your home base. You see, that entire infield is tied to the location of home base. Those bases cannot be so, not so many feet and so many inches. It has to be on the nose distance to keep it regulated and to be within the boundaries of the game. And listen, we see this right here, that Peter, first and foremost, was at home, not having chips and salsa before lunch, but he was spending some time in prayer before the Lord. Church, sooner or later, we got to get to the basics of our home life, lining up with the Word of God. Can I tell you that I don't think Peter was embarrassed with the angel the Lord showed up, but would you or would I? When did it become okay for us as church and Christians to have things in our life that are completely ungodly? The things that drove the nails through Jesus' hand on the cross have now become our sense and source of entertainment. When was it okay for us to have things that, lowly Holy Spirit, go to this other bedroom, let me watch this show. And we live this life and we expect God to come bless us and bless our family and bless our church and bless our ministry. Church, our bases are out of line and God's hand of favor is not there and we wonder why. It'll get better from here, trust me. Listen, we cannot speak the language of the world and expect to communicate with the heart of the Father. They're just two different languages. When we went to Honduras, I, I didn't speak any Spanish. Pastor Alberto or those guys didn't really speak any English. And we did our best to communicate with hand gestures and, and pointing to stuff. And it was, it was absolutely hilarious. It took us 20 minutes to just ask, how are you doing today? But then the moment a translator showed up who spoke the language, we were able to have a huge conversation and be able to accomplish many things. Church, can I tell you that sometimes I believe in our life, I know sometimes in my life, when I've just become things of the world a little too much in my life, I try to go and I'm talking a different language than what God is speaking. And we're not communicating like we should. I know this is basic, but listen, two plus two is four. Whether you agree with it or not, whether you accept it or not, two plus two always has been four, two plus two always will be four. And until we get the basics of that, we will never master algebra and geometry and calculus and all these things. Listen, I get young musicians, been working with a lot of them lately, and I I count it an honor and privilege in my life. And I ask them this question first. And they say, oh, Pastor Steve, help me with music and help me do this. I asked them, them one question. I said, do you want to be good now and impress your friends, or do you want to be good for years to come? And I said, don't answer me. Think about it. And they say, they think about it for a minute. Okay, I want to be good for years to come. Then I say, all right, now, you're going to be willing to do what I tell you to do. And you already know what I'm going to say, because every time I get to preach, I get to say it. I always take them back to the building blocks of music. You have to learn your scales. You just got to start with proper You just got to know. So I can teach you some really cool licks, and you'll sound really cool. I've had those guys come, and they do that, and I say, okay, I'll play that in a different key. Uh, I don't know about that. You have to learn, in order to speak the language of music, you have to learn the scales and how they relate with other people. That helps you be a better musician. And I know there's other analogies. I know there's other things, but being a music guy, that's the analogy that I have. Let's look at the scripture in Ezekiel chapter 14. He says, son of man, these men have set up the idols in their hearts and put them before 
puts them before that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired of them at all? Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Every one of the house of Israel who sets up an idol in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity, and then comes to the prophet, I will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols. Verse 6, he says this, Repent and turn away from your idols, says the Lord. In other words, he's saying this, you bring in false idols to your house and have a shrine to them, and then you wonder why things are going sideways in your life, and you come to the prophet of the Lord and say, pray for me, I don't have a, give me a word, I don't know what's going on. Church, don't we do that today? Don't we do that today? It has to be our home plate. I know this is old preaching. I know this is uncomfortable preaching, but we have to get it right, church. We have to have home base where it needs to be. If Peter was doing anything else other than seeking God, he would not have had that vision. If Cornelius was doing anything other than seeking God, he would not have been the Gentile bringing the Pentecost to the Gentile people. It's the stakes are that high. Your marriage is worth it. Your children are worth it. Your relationship with God is worth it. Let home plate be sanctified unto the Lord, consecrated to the Lord, holy to the Lord, and righteous before the Lord. C.S. Lewis says this in the book Mere Christianity. He says, when you come to, to, I'm sorry, when you come to knowing God, the initiative lies on his side. If he does not show himself, nothing you can do will enable you to find him. And in fact, he shows much more of himself to some people than others, not because he has favorites, but because it is impossible for him to show himself to a man whose whole mind and character are in the wrong condition. Just as sunlight, though it has no favorites, cannot be reflected in a dusty mirror as clearly as a clean one. Let that sink in just for a minute. If you were to be honest with yourself, and if I were to be honest with myself, is my mirror dusty? Jamie Grace had a song a few years ago, White Boots. Love that song. We listen to it. It's hilarious. How many of you ever heard that song? I got my white boots and I ain't getting them dusty. That's, that's awesome. Church, you hear what I'm saying this morning? If we want a move of God in our families... We want a move of God in our communities. We want a move of God in the White House. If we want a move of God in our church, it will never, ever begin until we have a move of God in our home. It will never, ever begin until we go into our home and consecrate it holy as unto the Lord. Because the Lord doesn't give two nickels of what we do in this building. He cares who you are and what you do Monday through Saturday. He's not impressed with our worship. He's not impressed with our giving. He's not even impressed you showed up today. He said, who are you behind closed doors? That's who I want to minister to. We'll never move on. We'll be in kindergarten spiritually for 35 years. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to get a degree. You hear what I'm saying this morning? The second one, so that, that was our home plate. The second, if you want to go to the next level, you got to get that right. The second one is our mindset. Look at verse 11. And this is the bulk of what we're going to be at today. In verse 11, he said, And he saw an, a, a heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down the earth. And in it were all kinds, everybody say all kinds, of four-footed animals of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And then keep going. He says, Lord, I've never done it. And he says, do not call common what I've called clean. We're going to reference that scripture a lot today. Listen, this, I, I believe that we, let me use a different word, maybe worldview. Man, I'm, I'm stepping on all kind of toes today, aren't I? 
We might call this our world view. We might call this our, our, our what drives our life. Listen, God was trying to get at the heart. When Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world, he said, go into all the world and make disciples, they sort of did that. So here's Peter. Peter is in a place called Joppa. Joppa was a little town that was on the coast, and it was known to be not the nicest side of town. It was always pillaged. It was always ravaged and occupied by other people. It was a mini war zone, if you will. So Peter was, left his comfortable Jerusalem and, and his, his Jewish upbringing, Galilee and all that. He left all of that, and he went to this land, and he was ministering to the Samaritans. Now, remember that the Samaritans and the Jews, there was a lot of animosity that were there. But here's the thing. That's all that they were doing. Samaritans, while they weren't fully Jews, that technically made them not fully Gentiles. So what that meant was that they were going to these places, but they were only sitting next to the certain people that they wanted to in the lunch table. They were going to these communities, but they were only going to fellow Jews in those communities, or they were going to, you know what, I'm going to suffer for the Lord and minister to the Samaritans, but that's as far as I'm going to go. Peter was also staying, now listen, let me just tell you, God oftentimes moves in our life in stages. God oftentimes moves in our life in stages. Remember when you were a child, and maybe to this day, but remember when you were a child learning how to ride a bike? You know, you, you get that little child, you get them a tricycle, they really can't knock it over. They ride that tricycle until they get a little big, and then all of a sudden you get them a big boy bike or a big girl bike, and it's got little stabilizers, little training wheels on it, and you're riding down the sidewalk. How many of y'all remember that? And then you remember that you get real good, you take one of them things off, or you flip it up, and you're just riding on one training wheel. Look how fast I can go, Dad, on one training wheel. And then there comes that day when the other one has to be removed, and you're sitting there, and you know you might got to skint your knee just a little bit. You might got to crash right into a thorn bush when I was a kid. I'll never forget it. I was going down the sidewalk. Yay! <laughs> right into a thorn bush. I'll never forget that blessed thing. And I, but that's how it is. That's how God works in our stages. So you had Peter, who was already in another town that he was uncomfortable at. He was staying with a man called Simon, who was a tanner by the sea. Now, maybe in your mind, you might have just had a flash of David Hasselhoff on the beach, but this guy was not a professional model who got a suntan by the sea. Tanning hide is what he did, and because this was such a grotesque profession, the Jewish culture would not allow them to stay inside the city limits. They had to be outside the city limits because they were unclean and because it was nasty and because they needed the flow of water. So, you, so this to Peter, who was raised in Orthodox church and raised according to the law, this was a disgusting environment for old Peter to be at, but he was doing it. He was suffering for the Lord. But listen, Peter thought that's all that there was to it, but God, little did he know that God God was working behind the scenes to take him from Joppa to Caesarea to the big dogs, but he had to do it in sequential order. Can I encourage you this morning that maybe you're in a disgusting, depression, dark place in God and you're wondering what's going on. God has you right where he wants you because you're not ready for the next level yet. He's got you in an uncomfortable place, but if you are faithful, if you are faithful, if you are faithful, God will reward you. God will promote you. God God will sustain you if you are faithful in that place. Somebody say amen. amen. Listen, don't resist his work. Before he can entrust you with the lives of others, he's got to work in yours first. 
The Lord was trying to get Peter and ultimately the whole church to understand that there are more kinds of people in the world than his own. Jesus commanded them to go into all the world. Now this was tough for Peter. This was tough for Peter. We see that this sheet came up and on it, the Bible says there were all kinds. There were all kinds of animals and creeping things. The, why is it so specific that the Lord puts in the Bible they're all kinds? Because there are all kinds of people in this world. And so many times we just want to be with those that are like us. And God is saying, listen, if we're going to be effective as a church, we've got to stop that. If we're going to be effective as a representative of Jesus Christ, we've got to stop that. Now listen, Peter was raised this was their culture. This was ingrained in him as a little boy. No, we don't eat that, son, because we're Jews. No, we don't do that, son, because this was ingrained in him. And all of a sudden, a voice from heaven was telling him to violate the very thing he was raised not to. Well, it might not make sense to you unless you understand this. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus talked about food and set the record straight and said, all food is good, thank the Lord, and bless the pork chops. But see, Peter was with Jesus himself. How strong can religion be, friend? He was with Jesus, who was teaching about eating all foods. But yet when Jesus was gone, his religion kind of came back, and he's arguing with God. No, Lord, I'm not going to eat that. That's what was happening. Peter, if you had a vision from God, rise, Peter, kill it. Would you sit there and argue? Peter did. Look at Cornelius. When the Lord told him to send people, all right, y'all go instantly. Look at Apostle Peter arguing with the hand of God. Finally, God says, boy, there's three people coming. You need to go with them. He still wasn't getting it. I think God just got tired of it. He probably would have went four or five, six, seven times. Because the Bible says, while Peter was still wondering, finally the Lord said, all right, go with these men. Now listen, before we get all mad at old brother Peter, I got a question for you, brothers and sisters. What's on your sheet? What's on your sheet? What's on your sheet? Maybe the Lord would put some things, Lord, I can't go to that church. They don't do the types of songs I like to do. Lord, I can't go with them. They're Republicans. Lord, I can't go with them. They're Democrats. Lord, I can't go with them. They wear a mask. Come on, y'all. We can get so holy in church, can't we? And act like we got it all together. We go out there, put our little bumper sticker on a car. But isn't that, isn't, that the real, isn't that where the rubber meets the road? Isn't that real? The list goes on and on and on. We do the same thing in our lives. Even in verse 47, if you read this chapter, after the Holy Spirit falls, then Peter says in verse 47, who permits these guys to be water baptized? That's always baffled me until I finally was reading a commentary that said Peter, even after, Peter was still so strong in his religion that he had to wait until the Holy Spirit fell before he thought they were really saved. When he saw them speaking in tongues, then he said, all right, we can get them water baptized. Why didn't he do that first? Well, Brother Peter still had some religion in his heart. Religion is so powerful, it can nullify the working of God in your life and in my life. I personally had found myself falling into a religious spirit and a religious attitude. As a young man, I remember revival hitting the town and, and, and people in the church that were getting right with God. And you had Steve Hill who was saying, look, you can go to hell with a communion cup in your hand and away from your mouth if you don't know Jesus. 
Many churches hated that kind of preaching because it messed with their little stuff. But he was speaking the truth, saying, listen, if the house of God is not right first, how can the rest of them hurt? If the doctor's sick, how can he heal somebody? If you've got something in your eye, how can you help somebody else? And that was a great, and I remember I didn't like it. I didn't like the songs they were doing. I'm 17 years old, sitting there like I'm somebody. And I'll never forget my dad. How do you, this was not even in my, I don't even know why I'm sharing it. I have no idea. And I remember dad came back from a conference, and he had the CD. We were cutting edge in those days. And he popped it, and he brought me and my mom into this room, and he, he started playing some of that music that was all different, man. I, I said, get, get, get. listen, I was 17 years old, no joke. I remember saying, Dad, I don't like this music. I'm going to get a hymn book. That's just where I was, me. And, the Lord, and my dad said, just come in here and see what the Lord does. And we came in, and he grabbed us. I'm talking about a spirit-filled father. I'm so grateful for mine. He grabbed my mom and myself, and he played that song, and I, I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in that room. Because at that time, the Lord was doing something, and he was breaking down walls of religion in many people. Because, listen, we are do really well at pointing fingers at the sin of our brothers and sisters, but what about the walls of religion that will block the flow of the Holy Spirit quicker than anything? So I, I got this illustration that the Lord gave me many years ago. And I want, I want to try to do my best, and, and again, thank you for your grace, but I want to try to do my very best to, to, to show this to you. And the, the Lord showed me a long time ago that mindsets, mindsets are a lot like the whole thing about eyes and glasses and, and things like that. Because listen, a worldview or a mindset or a whatever, a stronghold even in your mind, it literally shapes what you see. It literally interprets what you see. Now, there's two types of glasses that we, we typically wear. And, and you know what I'm going to do? I, I'm going need, to need some help. Josiah, Seth, Jackson, would you guys be willing to come help me real quick? Come on, run up here real quick. Grab one of those stools. Come on, show them some love, church. Listen, okay, come here. I want you all to grab one of these. Just grab one. And I want you to turn around. No, 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 turn around. Around. And I want you to go over there and sit on those stools facing the back wall. Just sit to your back to the people until I tell you, okay? Show me this. Uh, would you bring up Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 11? See, the Bible says this in Luke chapter 11. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is also full of light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body also is full of darkness. Now listen, there are two types of glasses that we typically wear. I wear glasses. I have my contacts in today so I can do this. But please pay attention. I really pray this come, come out as it should. This can kind of be how our mindset. We've got glasses that are made two different ways and for two different purposes. We have glasses that are made for correction and glasses that are made for pleasure. Let me just break this down for a minute. When we have eye issues, we go to the eye doctor and we don't do this, do we? Doctor, I want to be able to see far away but not up close. Do something for me. Doctor, I want to be able to see up close but not far away. You got something for that? Doctor, I don't want to have any color or death perception. You got something for that? No, this is what we do. We go to the eye doctor and we say, Doctor, I'm running into cars. I can't see. <laughs> or in my case, Doctor, I've got headaches and I'm squinting because and, and, I grew up with a lazy eye. And, and, and I had to wear glasses as a kid. Nobody knew who I was talking to. And, and my mom had me some glasses. <laughs> and, and when I didn't have to wear those, that corrected itself-ish. Even as a young 20-something-year-old, every once in a while, that thing would go in. 
And, uh, and so I, that finally outgrew that. But I found myself kind of getting headaches and squinting. So my wife said, you all got to go. You got to go to the doctor. So I finally went to the doctor. And, and, uh, and you know how it is when you go to the doctor. So you don't go to him and you say, this is what I want you to do. The doctor says, have a seat in my chair. And they say, look into this machine. And they start flipping lenses. One, two. One, two. A, B. I don't give a little beat to the doctor. He's just going, and, and, and then they get one eye done, and then it's a whole process. They put drops, eyeballs. I mean, they, like, torture you with that stupid chair. And then when they're all said and done, they take this lens, and they say, this is what you look like now, and this is with your corrected vision. Doc, I had no idea. I had no idea. I could really have some fun with that, but I'm not going to. But when your vision is clear, you begin to see things corrected. Listen, can I tell you, God is not so much wanting to change you as he is as he wants to correct you. Y'all didn't like that one, I know. Because this is what happens. These glasses do absolutely nothing to correct my vision. Absolutely nothing. I wear these when things get a little uncomfortable and I get a little heated when I see my favorite situation not being represented. What do these things do? When you wear these, these things have an effect on your vision. These are made of substance. These take time. These are made by somebody that knows what they're doing, that can take your lazy eye and make it straight, that can make your weak vision and make it proper. These are made by an eye doctor. These are not made by an eye doctor. There is no correction power. There is nothing in them. All it can do is distort your view. Now, fellas, help me go further. Take a step, swivel around, would you? Now, you might see these glasses. Now, looking at these glasses, you can see we've got yellow, purple, and green. What you might not be able to see is it's, the lenses are also tinted. Now, boys, play along with me. You have yellow glasses. What color is this piece of paper? He said yellow. You have purple glasses. Play along, Seth. You have, Jackson, you have green glasses. What color is this? Very slightly tinted, right? Very slightly tinted. Now, unless you're a rocket man, I don't think you're going to go in public wearing those kind of sunglasses, are you? But listen, don't we do that? Don't we put on our glasses and our viewpoint and our opinion and we think we're all something, but that's how you really look, brother. That's how you really look, sister. Because this is what happens. These start to distort your very view. So instead of looking at that white piece of paper, you see it yellow or light purple or light green. If my eyes were blue, every time I saw yellow, I would actually be seeing green. I'm going somewhere with this. If I saw red, I wouldn't be seeing red. I'd be seeing purple. If I look, you know how it goes on and on and on. These are our mindsets. When we have mindsets of religion, everything is critical. When we have mindsets of perversion and we have glasses of perversion, everything can be perverted. You know that person that makes a dirty joke out about everything. But the Bible talks often about sins, but he also talks about weight. Can I meddle just for a minute in the attempts to help you? Some of us have our mindsets so full of politics, you see red and blue. Some of us, every time you look, maybe your upbringing is all you can see. Maybe your gender is all you can think about. Maybe your, your ethnicity, it, it, it dominates your way of thinking, and all of a sudden you see everything through one lens, through a distorted lens, and all of a sudden you get offended. That's another one that we wear a lot of times. We get offended over every single thing because we got these offended mindsets. we got these offended. We're always looking. Listen, if you look long enough, you'll see something inappropriate. If you look long enough, you'll see something that will satisfy that. That's the problem. That's the problem. But can I tell you, brothers and sisters, to try to do this quite quickly, can I tell you that there is a third type of glasses? 
You see, the problem with these is that, yes, we can wear these and have corrected vision, but we can't wear these at the same time. And all over the years, we've had some really fun things, haven't we? Remember those clip-ups that do the little fan thing? Y'all remember those? And then those were kind of hokey. Then we upgraded to the kind that kind of clips on magnetically. How many have had those? They clip on magnetically, and they go right over. They get a little snap. And if it, the problem with those is that they get lost, they get bent, they get crooked. And so we tried all these things, and we just, it doesn't work. You can't put these on unless you get some big blue blockers. Y'all remember those? Help me, Jesus. But there is a third kind of lens that I want to tell you guys about this morning because I believe it is the most powerful kind of lens for those that have really good insurance or really good po deep pockets. You might have heard of a technology called transitional lenses. These are the lenses that have the tinting ability built on the inside. They've been baptized in an agent. Come on, somebody. They've been infused with an agent that you can't see all the time. But when the brightness of situations, when the unpleasantness of attitudes, instead of putting on your opinionated shades and going after them in Jesus' name, you put on the corrected lenses of God because Jesus is the one that gives you 20-20. Jesus puts you in the chair of the word of God and said, no, you ain't seeing right. This is what your right eye should be seeing. This is what your left eye should be seeing. Now he puts on the corrected version and when we're faced in a situation where they're just giving us everything and we feel that flesh rising up and we're about to take these off let the agent on the inside let the agent that is inside activate and begin to listen when you got those on you can look into the brightest sky and not squint can I tell you that when you've got the agent on the inside, what is this agent? It's an agent of truth. It's an agent of discernment. It's an agent of grace. It's an agent of mercy. And when you can look at that person, the more hostile they are, the more brighter they are, you let that agent on the inside called Holy Spirit living come and manifest itself. And let me tell you, those lenses are not black or blue or any color but red of the scarlet blood of our Savior that flowed on Mount Calvary over 2,000 years ago that runs for the white and the black and the rich and the poor and the Republicans and the Democrats and the educated and the uneducated. The blood of Jesus flows to the highest mountain, runs to the lowest valley. Amen and amen. These last two, I'm going to go very quickly. Number three, we see this. You have to be willing to break barriers by doubting nothing. You have to be willing to break barriers by doubting nothing. This, this little verse has always stuck out to me in a very unique way. Yes, I understand it means to like doubt nothing, go with an open mind. That is true, but that's only half the truth. Listen, we have to be willing to break barriers. If Peter, if Peter would have stopped a minute, he would have saw he had a lot of things in common with Cornelius. He would have seen he had a lot of things in common. They both were men of God. They both were praying at home. They both had a heavenly visitation. Peter didn't see any of that. All he could see was he was a Gentile. And so Jesus had to change his way of thinking, change his worldviews. He had to take off those sunglasses and give him corrected 2020 vision. Now listen to me. Some of y'all still mad at me because I set your, your, your favorite thing. Let's move on. Come on. He said this, you have to go forward willing to doubt Nothing. Let's look at Cornelius just for a minute. Number one, the Bible says he was a devout man who fasted and gave alms and feared God. Now, that word feared God was not an adjective. It was an actual label. 
These were men who were Gentiles who feared God, followed the things of God, but they were not permitted to enter the synagogue. They had to sit in the back. They were not given, uh, they were not given full blessing of the Jews. They were not accepted by the Jews because they would not adhere to circumcision. They feared God. They followed God. They prayed. That's what Cornelius was praying at the temple sacrifice times. He was living it at home. He was fasting. He was giving alms, but he was not fully received by the apostles. He was a God-fearer, but he wasn't a Jew, so he couldn't be in all the way. Holding him at arm's length. Can somebody hear what I'm talking about today? The Bible says, number, number two, the Bible says that his house served God. Listen, a good man does his best to ensure that others around him are good. That's just for free. A good man or good woman does his best to make sure those around him and her are good. The Bible calls him a good and a great man. Seldom do these two lines cross. You have a lot of good people that will never become great because they're so good. And you have a lot of great people that can't be good because they're so corrupt inside to achieve their greatness. This man was both this man assembled family and friends, and then I can hear him now calling out, putting on Facebook, private party, invitation, event created, Doop, everybody, come to my house. We have Apostle Peter coming, and they, had, they were all about to throw down, because when he came in, the Bible says he had a house full. They were there, they were expecting. Now listen, we're told that he is a very mighty man. He was a very influential man. Caesarea was a great fortified city. They were literally, him and his regime were literally the bodyguards of the governor, Listen, by his name Cornelius and that he was a centurion, a higher ranking officer, we understand that he came from money and education and influence. Do you hear what I'm saying? He came from a high influential family. And the fact that they were called the Italian regiment, this, was a, this spoke to their heritage. They were 100% they were Italian and or Roman, and they formed the Italian regiment, which means that they, were, they boasted about their community, they boasted about their ethnicity and their country. They were very patriotic, they were very, they were very proud of their culture, and that's, fine. that's awesome to do so. But you have to understand, they wore this as a badge of honor. Now listen, this very well looked like a hostile environment to the Jews, these were the very people that were oppressing the Jews. You hear me? These aren't the Samaritans that they just don't like. These are, he represents the Roman government, the ones who were ruling them from a tyrant standpoint. And the Bible says this very, very plainly. It says to doubt nothing. Doubt nothing. He said these men are here with you to go to doubt nothing. So I, I looked that up and I said, Lord, help me understand this better. And I looked up this word doubting because he said, finally, I'll go, Lord. But Jesus said, I want you to doubt nothing, which had to do with his whole attitude about going. Because how many know you can go and you can go? How many of you know one of those kids that when you give him a little tip, say, you know, this picture would be nice, but add a couple of blue trees. And next you walk away to add about 49. I'll give you blue tree, blue tree, blue tree. How many of y'all know kids like that? How many of y'all kind of like that yourself? This recipe needs more salt. I hope he likes this. You know what I'm talking about? Malicious obedience. I, I knew a man that was like that. He was telling me a story. But growing up, his dad told him to take the piano outside and, and, or said, take the piano and wash it. He knew what his dad meant. He took that piano to the driveway and hosed that sucker down. You know kids like that. Adults can be that way too. And you wonder why the blessing of God is not. Listen, Isaiah said this. This is for free. The book of Isaiah says, if you are obedient and willing, then you will eat the fruit of the land. 
God is not so much caring about the what as the how and the why of who you and I are. That's the common denominator of this whole thing. But let me get back to this because I have to hurry up and we're speeding along. I looked up the scripture and this is the word. It says, and I think we have it, dia, dia, cream, dia, yeah, just like that. <laughs> See, I think Peter had a case of dia cream of the mouth. Sometimes some of us need some verbal peptobismo. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Sometimes, you know what I'm saying, my mama's in the front row, I, have to, I can't say that word in church, but you all know what I'm saying, that you, you have to, sometimes we have to understand of what this means. This word literally means a back and forth, a back and forth, okay, that, I understand that. This word's only used five times in the New Testament. Just like love, there are many words for love, we all understand that, right, I don't have to go into that. There are many words for doubt, I didn't know this, doubt, there are many words, in case you were wondering what I'm talking about, the Bible was not written in English. It was written in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. So you have to go back to the original language to really get the context of what's being said. That brings us to this word right here. This, what I found was this. There's a very interesting verse that speaks to this word. It's found in Jude. Let's show that scripture. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Have you ever read that verse and said that talks about doubt? I've never, that's a, such a random verse, but see that word contending? That's the exact word as doubt. It stands to reason and through the definition that this word that, that the Lord uses means to go back and forth, but to overjudge and be intense and be damaging with contention because of your back and forth. Do y'all hear that? You see that word picture? Peter was, Jesus was telling Peter, Peter, go with them, but don't go with them to start an argument. He said, go with them and doubt nothing. Not like when, when Michael and the devil were contending, they were battling. Church, haven't we had enough contending and battling and hurt and shame and, 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 and getting on each other? Haven't we had enough of that? It's time that we go and we walk forward doubting nothing. And this, is, this brings us to the last two. Right now in your mind, I want you to picture the most polarizing politician that comes to your mind. Right now, in your mind. It, don't say it out loud. In your mind, take that most polarizing, that, that politician that you did, because this, this is a hot button right now in our, church, in our churches, and it has been for a while, and I'm going somewhere with this. Picture that person. Okay, this is exactly what was happening to Peter. What would you say to that person if you had a 15-minute audience with them? What would you say to them? What, would, what glasses would you be wearing? Which ones would you have with them? Now, this was Peter's chance to go set them straight in Rome. But the Bible says this. The Bible says that Peter was not allowed to show up and tell them about their dietary law violations. He wasn't there to tell them, finally, you all got to serve God. Now, you got to be Jews. You got to get circumcised and no longer eating pork chops. No, Peter was not allowed to set them straight on their dietary laws. Peter was not even allowed to say, you know what? I'm tired of you guys taking and raping and village in my towns. I'm going to set you right politically. There was only one message that Peter was instructed to take. It wasn't about law. It wasn't about politics. It was the message of Jesus Christ who is for the free and the slave and the Jew and the Gentile and everybody in Jesus' name. Listen, 
That's how you know that you've got corrected vision. Because some of, again, if we come with these glasses of politics and glasses of this, we're going we're gonna to miss the opportunity. That's why God hasn't given some of us opportunities. Because you're going to do more damage than good. Peter did not come with a voice of politics or a voice of law. But he came with a voice of Jesus Christ. Church, can I tell you that we've got to get back to preaching Jesus in the churches. It wasn't about political advancement. It's not about any other advancement. It's about pushing and promoting the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? This was the moment that a lowly, uneducated, blue-collar, rough-and-tumble fisherman named Peter met with an upper-class, high-ranking official of Rome. In any other situation, that would have been recipe for disaster. But because it was ordained by the Holy Spirit, the Bible said it fell upon all of them, the whole family, the whole group. Can I tell you, church, that we need to be leading the way of diversity and leading the way of equality. In, in other avenues of life, when you have Republicans and Democrats and rich and poor and black and white and, and Hispanic and whatever and together it typically can turn out to be an argument or chaos but can I encourage you that the church needs to be the place leading the way to show the world how it needs to be done yes it can be done and this is how you do it in Jesus name coming together number four the message has to be Christ to go to that next level your message has to be Christ it has to be Jesus it has to be Jesus Christ because he is the only name under which by men can be saved the only name under heaven is Jesus Christ. Number five, the last point, is you need to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Then he said this, and this verse I think is up there. You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean, that he is called clean. And therefore I came without objection, and I asked then, for what reason have you sent me? Listen. Can I tell you that we've had enough? You can stand to your feet. We're going to get ready to close. Listen, this is what matters in your life, is what does God say? We've certainly heard enough of what the news has to say. We've heard enough of what Dr. Fauci has to say. We've heard enough of what the Chew, the View, and the crew has to say. We've heard enough of Hannity. We've heard enough of, of Don Lemon and Anderson Cooper and all. We've heard enough of what men have to say. Can I ask you a question? What does God have to say? What does God have to say about your sexuality? What does God have to say about your viewpoint? What does God have to say about how you treat your fellow man? What does God have to say about how you invest your money? What does God have to say about how to treat your spouse because we're given glasses in society all the time you're confused sexually here let me give you these glasses and so then this gives you identity or your wife or husband doesn't make you happy just get another one or what if the case we live in a godless lawless society and it's time to get back to letting the holy spirit you see the proof is in the pudding church peter said i was this way but the lord spoke to me and now i see now listen this was very humbling for peter to say what can i do for you when was the last time you went to someone who get, gets on your nerve or represents a group of people that get on your and you don't like them? When was the last time you got down spiritually and washed their feet? When was the last time you said, what can I do? How can I pray for you? I know you probably hate me. I know you've probably judged me, but that, what can I do for you? Can I tell you, church, that then and only then when we're going to see the revival that God is wanting to do? Because when that matches up, then you've got a verse 44. The Bible says the Holy Spirit fell and every single one of them was baptized. Listen, if we want to be a church that is impacting this culture, a church that's bringing revival, we have to have victory in these areas. Amen? 
Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.